Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Welcome to the show. I'm Monique. Thanks for tuning in today. Today I'm doing a solo show, which I do at times when I receive requests for particular topics. My previous solo show aired on June 1st, 2023, and I covered the importance of informational interviews for leaders to get more visibility in the workplace. So if you are interested in that topic, feel free to go back and listen to that podcast. Today, I'll be discussing the importance of proper onboarding, training, and succession planning to increase retention. So if you're a manager, you'll want to pay attention to see how some of my coaching clients increase retention by improving in these areas. As always, we'll be taking questions from listeners at Monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. And that's also how you can reach out to me for the tools and the checklists that I will be talking about today, because I want to provide those to you if you need them. The problem I'm seeing in coaching when some of my clients come into their sessions, they are losing their people at an unprecedented rate due to poor onboarding, inconsistent training, and lack of succession planning. And here's an example of some pretty staggering statistics. Out of 1,000 employees surveyed, 80% said that they had a poor onboarding experience. Also, six out of 10 managers had new hires leave due to poor onboarding. So companies cannot afford this. And if you're a leader, you can't afford to have people leaving your team like this. So if this sounds like something that you're dealing with, listen in today, because this has an impact. A poor onboarding experience really equals new hires that feel lost and not supported. And that's one of the reasons that they leave. Lack of ongoing training causes 60% a loss of workforce in four years. And that's because there are training gaps. The, your people are making mistakes. There are complaints. There's low morale. And even if an employee stays during the onboarding and gets continued training after onboarding, if they do not have a defined career path, so if they have no way to know if they're getting a promotion, if they're not involved in any succession planning, that is another reason that they will leave and that, would, that will impact retention. So what you want is to implement a really strong onboarding program that increases retention by 82% and it increases productivity by 11%. For ongoing training, you want to be able to conduct a training needs assessment, and we'll go through that today. And then you want to develop your team by using an individual development plan. You want to get them ready for the next level, get them ready for promotions, and get them involved in succession planning. If you do that, it increases company valuations by 20 to 25%. So today I'm going to go through some case studies of actual clients that saw a huge improvement in retention from working on some of these things in coaching. So let's first talk about John. He was a hiring manager in an IT department. 
His problem was that he was losing 35% of his new hires within six months. The new hires, when they left, they did exit interviews. And here's what was coming up in those exit interviews. They were telling HR that they didn't understand the big picture of the company. They didn't understand where they fit in. They really lost interest because of that. They felt like they were just a number. And they also couldn't get their questions answered. John was their manager, but he was way too busy. So they were operating in a silo pretty much. And they completely lost interest. Now, when John brought this problem to coaching, we worked through it in a couple of ways. John decided that he needed to expand the onboarding program, but he really didn't know how. So he benchmarked. He benchmarked within his own company by asking other managers, other departments, other organizations within the company how they did their onboarding for their teams. He also benchmarked other companies and other industries. So this is going outside of his own company. And he created an onboarding checklist. Now, I'm going to share that with you today. And what I've done is continued to add to the checklist as I coach people, as I talk with people, as I see how they are handling their onboarding programs. So what you'll get today, at least in this first segment, is a complete idea of a really robust onboarding program. And this checklist that I'm going to go through with you is available to you. You can just email me for it. The items on the checklist, you will find some of them are the responsibility of the hiring manager, and some of them are the responsibility of the new hire. And I'll point out those things also. It is also a checklist that can be used in any industry, any type of organization, or any team. So keep that in mind too. So the fact that I added to it has, I have maybe 20 items on this checklist that I will go through with you. And just to jump ahead a little bit to tell you what the outcome was for John, once he started using this checklist, he collected feedback, which told him that there was a 100% satisfaction rate with the new onboarding program once he implemented the things on the checklist. He did get some comments about the onboarding, so he made some changes. And after six months, he only had a 2% loss of new hires, which is huge, going down from 35%. So let me tell you about some things on the checklist and then just email me for it if you would like it. So first of all, really on the first day of onboarding is when all of the HR policies and procedures are taken care of. There's usually things to sign, things to fill out. The new hire gets their equipment, their logins. That is pretty typical for any company. Most companies do that. But sometimes that's where onboarding ends is after the first day. So what John wanted to do was to really expand the onboarding program. So he provided a broader orientation about the entire company. He included the company history, the vision and mission, the philosophy of the company, and the strategic goals and initiatives of the company. 
Now, this was available on the internal intranet, and he put together a spreadsheet for the new hire where he put links to these things in the spreadsheet so that the employee was doing more of a self-paced orientation to read and learn about these things. The next thing he did, which was absolutely brilliant, he scheduled departmental shadowing and informational interviews with people outside of the employee's immediate team. This was a way that he addressed that feedback that he got where employees were saying they didn't understand the big picture of the company. So he had them go through and meet other managers, other team members, so that they could understand what is being done in the rest of the company. He then coordinated a teach back. And teach backs are very seldom used, but they're extremely important. It's where the employee or the new hire learns something and then presents it back to their own team. So once that new hire had all those departmental shadowings and informational interviews, they put together a brief presentation back to their own team where they explained to the team what they learned. And this is a really great way of getting the employee involved in presenting, getting them to meet their team members, and also educating the team members at the same time. Now, he provided the employee with all the internal links and resources and information that they needed so that they could find out more about the company. He put this all in at New Hire's Excel spreadsheet. Then he had the New Hire conduct a team orientation by providing names of teammates and all of the project information. So that new hire then had all the project information down to the team level. This was also in the spreadsheet. He then had the new hire conduct one-to-ones with teammates and one-to-ones with clients and project stakeholders. Again, this is drilling down deeper to get the employee really knowledgeable about what the team is doing. So those were all scheduled. Once those were completed, that team member, that new hire, did another teach back to the team where that person presented what they learned from those one-to-ones and what they learned about the outstanding projects. So this was something else that was owned by the new hire. So a lot of things on this list are things for the new hire to do, but this is coordinated in advance by the hiring manager and the new hire so that each person knows what their responsibility is. Now, John, as the hiring manager, assigned a team buddy to this new hire. And that way the buddy could assist with team level questions. Because if you remember another issue about why John was losing 35% of his people was because they couldn't get their questions answered. John was taking it, well, supposedly taking it upon himself to answer questions and he didn't have time. So the questions weren't getting answered. But at this point he assigned a buddy to the new hire to handle those questions. And that went much better. He then scheduled weekly one-to-ones with the new hire. Now, this is something that the hiring manager takes ownership of, makes sure it's on the calendar so that he's meeting with these new people weekly, at least initially, until they get up and running. 
Now, in collaboration with the new hire, he created a what we call a 30, 60, 90 day goal plan. And this is a list, again, in, in new hires Excel spreadsheet of the expectations for 60, 30, 60, and 90 days. That way, everyone is clear on what the new hire needs to be doing and needs to be accomplishing. And that's done in collaboration. The other thing John implemented that he hadn't been doing before is career conversations. Now, career conversations are usually things, if they're happening at all, they're only happening quarterly and they're not happening with new hires. And this is a huge reason for people leaving because they don't think there's a path for them in the organization. So he started having career conversations with the new hires within the first 90 days. And by doing that, they just started talking about the employees' goals and aspirations, where they wanted to be in the company. And this gave John an idea of how to position them for promotions later on. So that was something really huge that he implemented. He also assigned a mentor. Now, this is different than a a team buddy. A mentor is someone that's usually a higher level than the employee, but I always recommend that it not be the manager. The manager should not also be the mentor for a new hire. They need to have somebody else to mentor them, someone to help with the broader topics, company culture, best practices, various styles of communication. All these things are better to be done by a mentor rather than the actual hiring manager. So John implemented that also. And all along the way, there is continuous communication, feedback, recognition to the new hire, clearly stating all of the expectations. All of those things happen throughout. And really, the onboarding should last about 90 days. It does not stop after a day or a week. And it should be weaved into the person's work. So the person doesn't stop working for 90 days while they're going through orientation. These are things that they will do while they are working on the job because the work still needs to get done. So these are some of the things on the list. The last few things on the list is regarding virtual onboarding. I get a lot of questions about how that should be handled. And John had the same problem because he had remote employees, hybrid employees, and people who were coming on site. So virtual onboarding should include the same content that I just went through as same thing as in-person onboarding, except a company should include more information about virtual protocols, virtual best practices, resources about remote work, work work-life balance, how to work remotely with clients and coworkers. Those are things that should be included, whether it's articles or something from the internal intranet or some other links that the employee can read about so that they understand that the company does want to help them succeed, even if they're virtual. So John implemented that also. Now, along the way, as a hiring manager, it is your responsibility to collect feedback about the onboarding. That's the only way you'll know if you need to make changes. 
You want to ask the employee along the way how they are doing, how they like it. You want to gather statistics to determine if people are staying or leaving due to the onboarding program and basically collect feedback from these exit interviews and gather verbal feedback. So that was the last part of what John considered the onboarding program is to assess it. So I've went through the list for you, which I will provide to you. And John implemented this. And like I said, had a huge, huge turnaround with his retention, went from losing 35% of his people to 2%. If you have just tuned in, this is a solo show today. And I've been talking about how proper onboarding, ongoing training and succession planning can increase employee retention. I've just gone through a case study about the results that one of my clients saw in just six months when he implemented a really robust onboarding program. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'll answer a few questions that have come in. And then you'll hear how my client, Joan, got her team upskilled with training by conducting a training needs assessment. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Monique. In this solo show, we're talking about how hiring managers can increase retention. Before my next case study, I'll respond to a few questions that came in one listener wrote in, is that list etched in stone? They're referring to the onboarding checklist that I just went through prior to break. And the answer is no, it's not etched in stone. As a matter of fact, I added to it to come up with the 20 or so items that were on there. So my recommendation is that you request the list from me 
after the show and then add to it yourself because you'll find things that you think should be included in an onboarding program. So add to that, feel free to expand on it. And if you're truly getting feedback after the onboarding, you will want to alter it and make changes based on the feedback. Someone else wrote in, I'm a hiring manager and I don't have time to benchmark my industry. So if you were listening in the first segment, you heard me say that my client, John, did a lot of benchmarking in order to understand what the onboarding programs were like out there. And no, the hiring managers do not have to do all the benchmarking. That is actually something you can delegate to your team, especially if you're doing internal benchmarking. You can have them research what's happening with the onboarding throughout your organization. So that is something that you definitely should be delegating. Okay, we're going to go on to the next case study, and this is on my client, Joan. She was a hiring manager in the finance department, and her problem was that internal customers kept complaining about mistakes that her team was making, meetings running too long, no executive presence when her people would be in front of customers, they would be very unprofessional poor presentation skills, really poor communication. So what Joan did when she came to coaching with this problem, we determined that her team needed more training. They were pretty green, not very seasoned, so they needed training, but she didn't know how to go about that. So we conducted a training needs assessment, and that was done with a tool. We call it a TNA. And again, you can have access to this if you want it. And I will take you through the steps in a TNA because there are four steps. And just briefly, what happened in three months after Joan conducted this TNA and implemented some training for her team, she received feedback from some of these internal customers who had been complaining. And she was able to really rebuild the team's credibility. She got positive feedback from these stakeholders and the meetings were more productive. She was told their presentations were better. They actually took on some stretch projects that were really successful. So here's how Joan handled this. So a TNA, it's conducted to determine the gap between the employee's existing knowledge, skills, and abilities and their desired knowledge, skills, and abilities. So you want to determine where they are now, where you want them to be. And part in the middle is the gap. Once the gap is determined, then appropriate training can be delivered. So that's what Joan did. And Joan went through these four steps that we worked on together in coaching. So first of all, she identified the business need. And at a team level, what that means is that you need to understand what your team is trying to accomplish and what the work is is that they are doing right now. So that is easily identified. And then you perform a gap analysis. This is where you determine where they are now and where you need them to be. What's the difference between the current state and the desired state? And to do this, to perform this gap analysis, you can do it a few ways. You can focus on surveys and questionnaires and feedback but you want to gather information. 
Now, some of this you may already automatically know. You may not have to go through a full-blown gap analysis. You may know your team well enough to know where that gap is. In Joan's case, she was getting feedback. So her internal customers were telling her where the gap was. The next step is to address the tra- or assess the training options. So your gap analysis will help you determine what your options are for training. And you want to ask yourself the following questions in order to assess your training options. What is the budget for training? What ways can training be delivered? How many people need training? And what is the time frame? So this is going to be different for every team. You may have a team that you can send them all to training at the same time. You may have a team that can't all go at the same time because someone's got to stay behind and actually do the work. And you may have training that is as simple as conducting a half-day training in a team meeting. It means no one really has to leave the building. You don't need much of a budget. It can be delivered maybe by maybe the hiring manager does the training or maybe someone on the team does the training. So this is all part of the assessment that you're going to do when you're looking at your training options. You'll also want to know what are the topics for training. After you do your gap analysis, what do they need to be trained on? Hard skills, soft skills. In the case of Joan's team, they had very poor presentation skills. So there was presentation training that was needed. They were making lots of mistakes. So she had to assess exactly what type of training was needed and what was the priority of the training. What problem will it solve? Is the training scalable? Can you train someone to provide training and then they keep providing the training so that the manager doesn't have to do it? So there's a lot of things to be taken into consideration when you're talking about training options and assessing the options. You also want to ask yourself, can the training take a phased approach? And what that means is that can some of your people go into training and the others not, and then you switch? Uh, Can you send one person and not the others? Maybe in your gap analysis, you'll find that there's only one person on your team that needs training. Now, that was not the case in Joan's case. She was getting negative feedback about her entire team. But those are the things you have to look at. Who needs the training? What kind of training? And for some types of training, like soft skills training, you know, in Joan's case, there was communications and presentation skills training that was needed. So she had to have an outside trainer come in. She contracted with a company and had them come in and deliver a soft skills training to her entire team. So these are the kinds of things that you need to take into consideration as you're doing your gap analysis and you're assessing all the options. Now, the fourth step was reporting the training needs. So once you build a case for business, a business case for training, you want to ask yourself, who else needs to know about the training? 
So in Joan's case, she had her own budget that she was dealing with. So she didn't have to get any approval for this training. She just really had to calculate how much it was going to cost to have the training. She knew she had the budget for it. She was the decision maker as far as the training goes. And she could move forward without anybody's approval. Now, that's not always the case. So you want to really think carefully about who needs to know about the training. Are you building a business case so that you can get budget from somebody else in the department? Is there someone else who will make that decision instead of you as the hiring manager? So who will solidify this? That is actually the fourth step that you need to think about. And again, you're assessing your situation, which is going to be different from everybody else's situation. So let me repeat these four steps just so that you've got them and you can always request this from me. But for a training needs assessment, you want to identify the business need. So you need to understand what kind of work your team is trying to accomplish. And then you want to understand the gap. So going from what they're trying to accomplish to what they are accomplishing and that gap in the middle is what you're going to be training for. So after you establish the gap, then you assess all your training options. That's where you look at exactly what kind of training is needed, how much is it going to cost, who needs the training, and how is it going to be delivered internal people training or external people coming in to do training. What are the priority topics? And then you want to think about, can you take a phased approach? Do you need to put everyone in training? Can this be done in a half a day? And you always want to assess afterwards how the training turned out. And in Joan's case, like I said, in three months, she got feedback from the same customers who were doing the complaining. And they told her that her team was showing up much more professionally. They had better presentation skills. And that was due to the outside communications trainer that Joan brought in. They were also running the meetings a lot better, more efficiently, more effectively, There were less mistakes being made, so they were actually able to focus more and prioritize a lot better. So she was able to gather that kind of feedback, but you may have to gather feedback a different way, and that's going to depend on your situation. And then lastly, if you need to build a business case for somebody to get budget from them, You need to do that. But going through these four steps is your business case. So if you document your steps as you're going through them, you will be able to build your case along the way. And then you can present it so that you can get budget, you can get approval, you can start looking at vendors and things like that. So these are the four steps in the TNA the training needs assessment that Joan went through that got her people really well trained 
and got them up and running so that the mistakes stopped happening and so that they were able to conduct business in a way where the customers were really happy. You have been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. This is a solo show, which I do at times when I get a request for various topics. So today we're talking about how hiring managers can increase employee retention with really strong onboarding and ongoing training. And if you were with us in segment one, we talked about what happens when you do have a really strong onboarding program and how that can really uh, make a big difference in retention. And just now you've heard me talk about how Joan implemented ongoing training for her team to help improve the performance of her team. So training is the next step after onboarding. I'm, I hope you see how these connect. If you have a really solid onboarding program, then after the onboarding ends, you want to move into ongoing training where you're always assessing the needs of your team and you're trying to always look at the gap and fill the gap with ongoing training. Now you've heard about the results of some of these actual coaching clients who made changes that really transformed their teams. And if you are a manager that is really wanting to step up in your role as a manager, these are some things, at least two things, that you can look at for your team is making sure their onboarding is really, really robust so that they're happy and they stay at least through that 90 days, but then transitioning them into ongoing training after the onboarding. And that is your role as a manager is to keep developing your people. So what we're going to do is take a quick break right now. And when we come back, we'll hear how Joan went on to create IDPs or individual development plans for her newly trained team to prepare them for promotions, because that is really the next step after ongoing training. You want to develop them to the point where they leave your team because you are promoting them. A good manager always has promotions in mind for the team so that they can move up and keep growing within the organization. So we'll hear how Joan used an individual development plan on each of her team members and actually herself to plan for promotions and succession planning. Now, I encourage you to email in your questions to me at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com, and I'll answer them when we come back from break. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. 
Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Monique, talking to you today about how to increase retention in your company. Before we move on to the final tool that Joan used with her team, let me address this listener's question, and then we'll talk more about the IDP that Joan used The listener wrote in, as a hiring manager, how do I make time to do a TNA, get everyone trained, and still get the work done? Really good question. So I talked about possibly staggering the training. That is something that is done a lot because not everyone can get into training at the same time. The other thing that can be done is cross-training. So if you have someone on your team that is very skilled in a certain way, but it's a gap for someone else, so remember we talked about the gap, then you can have that team member train the other person, whether it's a soft skill or a technical skill, because you do want to delegate this and get everyone out and trained, but still get the work done. So that is one of the ways that you can do that. Okay, we're going to move on to our last case study. This is still Joan. And once she got her team trained and they started to really excel in their roles, she wanted to prepare them for promotions. This is another strategy for retention is to get people involved in their own career growth and promotions and succession planning. So she used a tool that we call an IDP, Individual Development Plan, And this is something that some companies already have and some don't. So again, I'm happy to supply you with this if you want it. All companies create their IDPs differently. So I'm going to walk you through the tool that I used in coaching for Joan. And what we did so that Joan could get used to using it, she created her own IDP with me in coaching because she actually wanted a promotion. So she created hers first to understand how to use the tool, and then she socialized the tool to her team. And it's important to state here that each direct report has to own their own IDP. It is not up to you as the hiring manager to fill it out. 
or to keep reminding your direct reports to update it. They own it, they fill it out, they keep it updated. And it's used in those very important career conversations that we talked about that should be happening on a regular basis. And the team member brings it to the career conversation. And it's the point of discussion for the direct report and the manager. The direct report really gives an update on how they're doing on their goals and how this has been used and how they've kept it updated and how they think they're making progress. So it's really important that you as the manager make sure they know that it, they take ownership of it. So I'm going to go through the IDP tool with you. And before I do that, I want to let you know what the outcome was actually for Joan and her team. Once she implemented the IDP, within the first year, 25% of her people got promoted. So that is huge right there because it shows that she really helped support them in the process and that they used the tool to guide them because it's a, it's a document that will help them. So the tool is set up with three columns, one for each goal. And this is designed to it can be used in two ways. If you want someone to set goals for their current role, so say you identify a gap that we've talked about in their current role, and there's goals that they want to set in order to close the gap, the IDP can be used for that. In Joan's case, she was using it for the purpose of promotion. So she was filling it out or helping them fill it out with goals so that they could get to the next level. So she looked for a gap between their current role and the promotion. She looked at skills that were needed to be developed. And she had these conversations with her direct reports. So they then took the tool and started filling it out. But it's got a place for three goals. And for each goal, there's a section where the direct report is filling out what skills or knowledge needs to be learned in order to accomplish that goal. So they need to think about the goal and what they need to do in order to achieve it. Then they need to list what steps they're going to take to acquire that knowledge. Is it training? Is it mentoring? Is it self-study? What else do they need to do in order to take steps to accomplish that goal? The fourth section asks what resources are needed. So if someone needs to develop a skill for this promotion and they need to maybe take some technical training because maybe they need to get upskilled technically, a resource might be budget. They need money. They need to go to a conference or something. So resources are money, people, time. If they need a mentor, the mentor is a resource. In Joan's case, when she filled out her IDP, coaching was a resource. So I became a resource because she was going to continue in coaching as a way to get to her promotion because we were going to work on that in coaching. So that section is for resources. And then there is a section for timelines. 
So timelines are very important. And in the past, I've done some videos about goal setting, some YouTube videos and some blogs about goal setting. And in goal setting, it's very important to set timelines to keep yourself accountable. That's one of the main reasons people cannot achieve their goals is because they do not set a timeline. They state the goal and then they let it go. They forget about it. So in the IDP, it's asking when you will start each step and when you will finish each step that it takes to achieve the goal. And you'll plug in the timelines. Now, it's important to remember that the timelines and the IDP in general, it's flexible. It's a living, breathing document. It gets updated before each career conversation. So there may be times when, for some reason, timelines need to be altered for various reasons, and that's perfectly fine. It's just that you want to go into this with intention and look at this on a regular basis to make sure you're keeping up on the goals that you've set. So you state your timelines And then you move through the document and when you actually have completed the goal or the steps to get to the goal, you check that off and put the date. So there's a section for that. This is a very detailed IDP tool. It might be different than what your company has, but it works wonders to keep people accountable. And as you see, as I've mentioned, 25% of Jones people got promoted in the first year. So the tool works really well. The following, the last section is a measurement of success. What does success look like? So this is something that forces your direct reports to really think about how will they know if they accomplished the goal. Now, in Joan's case, for her people, the overall goal was promotion, but each of them had three smaller goals to get them to that promotion. So they were forced to really think about what would success look like if, say, that one person did take technical training to aid them in getting the promotion, what does success look like for that? In their case, They made it through the technical training and they got certified. So success in that case for that particular goal was certification. So it's really important to complete that final section so that you have an idea of what success will look like. And that way it helps keep you accountable. The other point of accountability for this tool is meeting with the manager to go over it during career conversations. It's really important to do that. So I had Joan keep her people accountable by giving them ownership. They had to schedule career conversations with Joan and bring their IDP to those conversations so that they could go over it together. And Joan was there for any roadblocks, for anything that happened along the way where they were having trouble getting their goal achieved or something came up, she was there for them. And that's your job as a manager is to be there to remove roadblocks. So 
everyone's got a role here, but the direct report has to own their own career growth. They really have to dig their heels in, figure out what they want and how they're going to get it. I think a lot of people depend too much on their manager to get them a promotion. And it's really not the manager's responsibility. It's the responsibility of the employee, but the manager is there to support them and to help them along the way. So you have just heard about how Joan's team got trained through a TNA tool and then how many of them were promoted through the use of this IDP or individual development plan. So the three tools I've talked about today are available to you to help you with retention. If you are having trouble with retention, if you are losing people at a very fast rate and you want to turn that around, please email me for these tools so that I can get them to you and help you implement them for the team because you've seen some some success today with these case studies that I've used. Now, we have discussed all these three strategies, and I want to remind you also to visit my website at mdconsultingglobal.com, and there you can sign up for my blog. I talk about a lot of these topics in my blog, which goes out twice a month. You can also connect with me on social media because the same kind of content goes out on social media every day. And really just keep tuning into the live shows and listen later to the podcasts. You've been great at supporting the show and giving me feedback as to what topics that you want. So I will keep bringing you really informative guests and I'll keep doing solo shows with various topics to help you to lead better. Also, if you are a leader or if you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and you have a great message, I would love to have you as a guest on my show. You can email me at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com and we can talk about getting you booked as a guest. You have been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. I invite you back again next week. We will talk again then. And until then, don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.